Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your host, Michelle Foray. And Bridget Spackman. And we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Listen, you all know that we as teachers have been forced to suddenly transform literally all of our teaching practices to be digital. I feel like this is a bad nightmare for a lot of us because there were so many of us who were like, no, like I don't need to do things digitally. And now it's like, haha, you have no choice. (laughs) But this means we have an entirely new system that we have to organize. And you know how much Bridget and I love organization. So today, we are going to help you organize your digital life with some simple tips. Okay. I mean, simple. These are things you can start implementing right away. Literally as you're listening to this podcast, if not after you finish listening. Oh girl, I cannot wait to hear all of these. So before we do that, and before we jump into all of our wonderful tips, we're going to hear from Allison and she's going to share her TSH, her time sucking hurdle. So Allison says, since we are now doing remote learning at home, my TSH is getting sucked into everything online when I should be doing work stuff. And I'm putting stuff in quotes here. You know, the whole, I'll just hop on Facebook for a few minutes to then getting sucked into cute dog videos or funny memes for an hour or more. SMH. Girl, we totally get you. And that has definitely happened. And I know exactly where Michelle is about to go with this because I see her giggling over there. And no, I did not know what SMH is. (laughs) And no, I don't even remember what SMH is. (laughs) You don't remember? That's great. Okay. Yeah. So Bridget and I were reading this one and Bridget said SMH. And I could just tell, I was like, she doesn't know what that means. So I was like, Bridget, do you know what that means? And she's like, no. So I had to tell her SMH means shaking my head. Listen, I cannot keep up with the cool kids. Okay. I just can't. Well, do you know what you just did? You just RME'd. Do you know what that is? Oh, dear Lord. She is going to letter me all day long now. (laughs) This is not a real thing. I just made it up, but you just rolled your eyes. So RME rolled my eyes. (laughs) I did. And I'm going to do it again. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we totally get you, girl. Like, is this happening to everyone? I know we all kind of get into those habits. I even had a good two weeks there. And Michelle can like she could tell you I got sucked into the whole Animal Crossings vibe. Okay, I started it and I was like, in it and I could not get myself out of it. But luckily I am. I am back with the world. I am back to normal and I am not constantly on there all the time. Okay. But what you're leaving out, Bridget, is the fact that not only did you get sucked into it, you tried to take me down with you. Okay. Bridget was constantly telling me, Michelle, you need to get Animal Crossing. You need to get Animal Crossing. But I stood firm. Okay. I have still never played Animal Crossing. It will happen one day and you are totally going to love it. And you're going to be like, Bridget, why didn't I start this sooner? And I'm going to be like, I don't know, because you were lame back then. (laughs) R-M-E, rolling my eyes. All right, let's jump into the episode. Okay, we're going to start by giving you all just a little bit of tough love. Listen, we know that these are unprecedented times. This is brand new to all of us. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed and to feel stressed and to feel lost because your sense of normal has been completely disrupted. But here's where the tough love is. 
instead of focusing on the inconveniences and the problems with everything there is that comes with moving to digital, we need to adapt and find a new way to overcome our problems. Now, we're not just telling you that and leaving you to, you know, figure it out on your own. <laughs> Today's episode is focused on those small changes that you can make in order to better organize your digital life. So we're going to help you out. And hopefully by the end of this, you're going to feel more productive and feel like you can better manage your time instead of just feeling stressed and overwhelmed and lost. Yeah, I think it's definitely a lot about your mindset, right? And changing your mindset in general and just understanding, okay, listen, I can either sit here and gripe about it and moan about it and just kind of try to resist it all and not make those changes, which I think a lot of us have been able to do for a very long time because we were in our classrooms, right? We didn't have to make those changes. But now that we've been thrown into this world of digital learning, it's like, okay, you don't really have an option. So you can either sit there and kick and fight and scream, or you can really try to start make some of those small changes that we're going to mention in this episode and really start to kind of make that adjustment and start kind of throwing yourself into the digital world. So it's going to happen, guys. Like we are going to constantly keep moving into having things more and more digital. Our kids need to be digital because when they get out of, you know, being in school in many, many years from now, everything is going to be digital. I mean, think about how much it's changed for us in the last like five years. Imagine what it's going to be like for them in the next 10 years. It's going to be a huge difference. Yeah, it is. So let's go ahead and start giving these tips. Tip number one is to set alarms. And I know you're probably like, wait, I thought you were going to tell us how to organize like all of our files on our computer and whatnot. Hear us out. Okay. Setting alarms, such as using your phone, like if you go into your phone and set an alarm, or even your home assistant or smart speaker. Bridget and I were trying to figure out, like, what are those things actually called? That's what we came up with, home assistant or smart speaker, such as your Alexa. And I'm whispering it because mine is listening to me. And if I say it too loud, she's going <laughs> to be like, what's that? They're all listening. <laughs> They're all listening all the time. Also, a Google Home, you can actually tell them to set timers for you. This is going to help you organize your life because, and specifically your digital life, you are doing everything on your computer. And when you're doing everything on your computer, as Allison said, it gets really easy to fall into these rabbit holes. So setting alarms is going to help give you reminders and that's going to help you, you know, not miss a meeting because that definitely has happened to me so far. Oh, it happened. Absolutely. It's just going to keep you on track for your day. And this also really helps to make sure that it keeps you on schedule, right? I think this has been a really big one for me because... I, and I don't know about you, Michelle, but like I would get into this whole thing where I would go down to make my lunch or I would go to do something and I would get completely lost. And like, it would take me forever to clean up or forever to go and, you know, do whatever it is that I needed to do to change laundry over. Like doing some of those little tasks, I would completely forget that I had to be somewhere or to do something by a certain time. And y'all, IEP meetings on Zoom, those are like hard. 
I don't know why those make me even more stressed out than a normal IEP meeting, but I have been so stressed attending all of these IEP meetings. I have so many of them because we're trying to fit them now all in before the end of the year because we had that whole month of just not having anything. So they were behind, obviously. So I think it's really nice that you just have those alarms set to constantly keep you on schedule. And guys, I have to say that I actually got this from Trent, my husband, because he has to set himself reminders for everything. So like we constantly have Alexa like going off in our house. And so she would tell us like, oh, we need to take Blaine to school. He still had the one for three o'clock where it said, pick up Blaine. This is a reminder, pick up Blaine. (laughs) So like finally, we turned that off so we did not have to listen to her at three o'clock although it was a nice reminder that it was three o'clock so this not only keeps you on schedule but it will also increase your productivity so when you have those timers set you know that you need to be able to get things done it almost is like the final countdown right so you're like okay I have three hours I'm gonna get A, B, C, D, and E done in these three hours. And it's like a little competition. Michelle would love this. It's like a competition to be able to get as much done as you possibly can within those three hours. So it's a really, really good motivator. Um, If you are someone that kind of stresses out a little bit with timers because I know that in the past years of me using timers, especially in my classroom, I know that there are individuals that are constantly watching the clock. I think an Alexa or a Google Home, which I have a Google Home in in my office right now, so hopefully it won't go off, but like having those are really nice because it's not a visual. You don't see it. And so it just kind of goes off and that's when you know that it's there. If I had like a timer, I would constantly be looking at the timer. It's like somebody who has a book and you're constantly looking, okay, how many more pages do I have left? So I think that's a really nice alternative. So you have access to those devices. I would say definitely use them. I love that. And it's almost like that reminder becomes your Netflix reminder. Like, you know, when you're watching Netflix and one episode turns into like five episodes and then Netflix is like, Hey, are you still watching? Like you might want to go do something else with your life. But sometimes that snaps you out of it. And you realize (laughs) like I have been sitting here watching Netflix for hours. I do need to go be more productive. And these alarms kind of help serve that similar purpose. So let's move on to the second tip. The second tip is to set times to complete specific tasks. Now, this is different than setting alarms. Setting times to complete specific tasks means I'm going to actually kind of schedule out my day and I'm going to decide when I'm going to check emails, for example. Personally, I am checking them once in the morning and once in the afternoon. Now, I will allow myself like during lunchtime just to quickly read any emails on my phone, but I do not respond to them. In the morning and in the afternoon are the only times where I'm actually responding to emails. I might also set time to check my student attendance or work submission. I know personally, because we still have a few weeks left, we have to track all of this. And I would be tracking it even if I didn't have to because it allows me to see which students I might need to reach out to because they're not engaging and so on and so forth. But I will actually set a specific time each day, typically at the end of my work hours, like around 3.30, and I will go through and I will check off all my student attendance and their work submission. And then finally, grading assignments because grades, it's one of those tasks where you need to batch it because 
I know personally when I sit down and I'm grading a bunch of math assignments in a row, my brain gets into like math mode. And then when I move on to my writing assignments, my brain gets into writing mode. And I feel like it just helps me grade them at a much faster pace than if I did them one by one. And you know, that is a form of batching, right? I mean, we talk so much about batching in all of our episodes, it seems like. And guys, it's because batching really, really does work. Like I know that some of you are probably like, but when I get into the batch mode, then I get tired of doing that task. Well, it's called one little thing that we preach to our students all the time, and that's stamina. It's because you don't have the stamina to do that type of task for that long of a period. So you might have to break up your batching as you go along. But this really does help to make sure that you're not wasting that time checking things over and over and over again. And I know I said this in one of our previous episodes, but I had a teacher that we were in a Zoom call and she was like, I'm constantly checking. Like I'm always checking to make sure that they're on attendance. And it's like, but why? Like, why are you checking so often? You should do like two or three times in a day and that's it. There's no reason for you to check every 30 minutes. You're wasting your time. Nothing is probably gonna change dramatically within that 30 minutes. And if if it does, it's still gonna be there later on in the afternoon when you go to check in the first place. So it really helps to kind of reduce that time that you're wasting. And it helps to make sure that you're not as overwhelmed. When you have them all batched together, when you're working on specific tasks, you are more focused and you feel less overwhelmed. I'm so happy that you brought up that it wastes time to check these over and over. I'm gonna give you just a real quick example. I have my grade book on my computer, but it's a program that I actually have to like run and open up. And y'all, it is so slow. Like it pops up and then I have to hit a little button and then it something else pops up and then I have to sign in and then the actual grade book pops up. And it's such a daunting task just to open up my grade book. So I don't want to have to open up my grade book over and over and over again throughout the day. I want to open it up one time, enter all of my grades at once. That way I'm not wasting time for my grade book to open. And I know what you're thinking, like my grade book at max takes maybe 30 seconds to open. But if I'm doing that several times throughout the day, that ends up adding up to all of these minutes that I'm wasting. Oh, okay, Bridget, I just had to get that off my chest. Can you give us the next tip? Yeah, I'm glad that you did that. I mean, I felt like I could see the weight like on your shoulders through Skype right now. So, all right. So tip number three, I think this is a really big one. And I feel like this is a really big one for me because in a district where I, that I am in, we are very technology focused. And so tip number three is to streamline your apps and websites. And what I mean by this is to stick to a core set of apps or websites that you your students, and your families are familiar with. This is not the time to say, hey, we're in digital learning. We should all try all of these new apps that are out there. And now I'm going to try this new thing that's out there. You are going to stress your families out. You are going to stress your kids out. They're going to become way more overwhelmed. This is not the time to do it. You know why? Because they're already overwhelmed with the fact that they're at home and having to learn. So do not try 
every single app that's out there. Don't do it. Don't try every single one under the sun. I would use maybe two or three that are kind of your core. So for me, my kids know Schoology, they know Notability, they know Google, and so I stick to it. I don't try to add anything else new or fun or exciting. This is not the time for me to try to make it the most exciting that it's ever been. I'm just trying to give them the education that they need and make sure that they get it. Let me tell you, a lot of the kids are probably getting on for about an hour to two hours and then they're done after that. They don't wanna sit in front of a computer and try to do a ton of different work that they would have done school. It's just not going to happen. And guys, listen, I feel like I'm getting on like my soapbox type situation because we all know when we have those 25 sweet babies sitting in front of us and we introduce a new app to them, how chaotic it is. Okay. Because it's chaotic. Um, this isn't working. Why won't I click? Like, why won't it do that? Or why can't I see this? It is a hot mess every time we do it. Doing it through distance learning is only going to add more of those frustrations. Yeah. And not only is it going to be frustrating for the students, but it's also going to be frustrating for the parents. I'm going to make a recommendation. If you are using any kinds of apps or websites, which, okay, all of us are, so you're using something with your students, you need to create and post a tutorial video even if it's something that you have been using with your students all year. I'm going to give you an example. I have been using Google Classroom with my students since the beginning of the year. They know how to use it, but I still created and posted a tutorial video. It wasn't so much for my students, but it was for their parents because now their parents are thrown in to this new situation. They're trying to not only figure out their own work, which is most likely occurring at home, but they're also trying to juggle their students being home or their children being home, which they're not used to. And they're trying to learn all of these apps and websites like forget it. They don't have time for that. So make it easy for them. Even if it is an app or a website that you have been using since the beginning of the year, you need to create and post a tutorial video for it. Yeah, thank, that was a really, really good reminder, Michelle. And we've done the exact same thing with our students and all of the sites that we use as well. But one other thing that I really do wanna mention before we move on to our next tip is that if you're listening to this episode and you're like, that's great, but we're not in distance learning anymore. I mean, God forbid that we will have to be kind of forced into distance learning in the fall. None of us want that. So hopefully if we're back in the classroom in the fall, this rule still applies for when you are in person with your students, okay? If you are introducing apps for the first time and this is very new to them, guys, please don't try to introduce a ton of applications because I will tell you, Schoology is one that we use again and again and again and again. And I still, to this day, have students who in three years that have been using this app will still do things incorrectly. They need practice. They need time to really get used to an application. So please don't overload your students with so many different types and don't overwhelm yourself because I will tell you when I first started in my district, that was one thing that really overwhelmed me. They handed me all these devices and they were like, we want you to do great things. And it's like, okay, but I'm not used to this. And so if you're not used to it, picking 
taking those three apps and just kind of sticking to that and learning to kind of use them in different ways, you're going to take those three apps and make them go a really, really long way. All right, Michelle, I feel like I've talked enough about this. I'm going to get off my soapbox and I'm going to hand you the, the, what do they call that little thing that you hand? The baton? The stick. The stick. The spirit <laughs> stick. <laughs> no, not a spirit stick. The baton. The baton is like when you're passing in a relay. The baton. <laughs> There, go. All right. <laughs> your turn. Our next tip is to digitize your paper flow. Since we are being forced into this digital world and doing everything digitally, this is the perfect opportunity to lessen the amount of physical paper that you're using and create some of these papers digitally on your computer. Trust me, you will thank me for this later. Okay. You just have to jump in, try it, and you'll thank me for it later. Now, one thing that you can digitize are checklists. Now, checklists are used for so many different things in teaching. I know personally, I use it for a lot of data tracking. I use it for attendance. I use it for like field trip permission slips being turned in. Checklists are everywhere. And I have fallen in love with digital checklists. My favorite places to create digital checklists are Google Keep. Google Keep has a checklist option, so it will literally allow you to check and uncheck the different items, and you can uncheck all of them in one click, which is great. Also, Google Sheets. Now, Google Sheets is like a spreadsheet, just like Excel, but you can actually insert a checkbox into a cell in order to create a checklist. And you can actually check and uncheck the box using the space bar on your computer. And then you could highlight all of the check boxes and then hit space and it will uncheck them all at once, which is fantastic. You also can use the notes app on your phone. Now, I'm talking iPhone here, okay? I don't know Android, but on the Notes app on iPhones, you can actually create checklists. I will tell you, Billy and I have been using this for our grocery list. We have a shared note between us, and throughout the week, whenever we think of something we need, we add it to that list, and then when we go to the grocery store, I have my phone in front of me the entire time, and I am just checking stuff off, and it feels so good. Another thing that I feel as though I have recently really started working on kind of digitizing. I feel like you said that word a lot, digitize. Yeah, it's a verb. So, <laughs> yeah. So now that I I feel like I've been jumped in, like really kind of gone full-fledged into this whole distance learning, I have really started working on making my anchor charts into a digital format. And this has been really, really nice. And it's been something that I feel like I've always had like anchor charts and then I would take pictures and then I would upload them. But just making an anchor chart just online and just having it there as like a reference page is really, really easy for your for your students to kind of be able to go back and reference. So this is something that you can very easily complete and create in a Google slide. So with your students in a small group through a conference video, as you're talking through them, you can be typing things in um, and filling out your anchor chart that you've already kind of pre-created and then save it as a PDF. And then you can download that and place it into whatever learner management system that you are using for your students to be able to access for their assignments. And so it's just a really nice way, again, for your kids to be able to reference that you've made it with them, which is really, really important when it comes to anchor charts. But here's the thing, you get to use it next year. Like all you have to do is delete the little comments. You can print it out like as a poster size through a PDF, like poster view. And it is so 
easy. Like now you don't have to go through the whole process of creating the T-chart or creating the Venn diagram. It's already there made for you. All you have to do is either print it or if you're like me and you have Apple everything in your classroom, you can screen it up to your Apple TV and then you can just kind of fill it in as you go and post that. And it just makes it, I feel like it makes life so much easier. The more and more I start to like digitize my life, the more I love it. You literally read my mind, Bridget. (laughs) So I was going to say about how once you do this, you have it the next year. You just delete the text and then you're ready to go. Now, I don't have Apple stuff in my room at all, but I'm able to share my like computer screen on my projector. And so I will actually type right in there. Not only when I will I print it out as a poster size, but I also will print out mini ones for my students to put in their notebooks. So then if they can't see the anchor chart on the wall, they can open up their notebook and they have it right there and they can take their notebook home and then their parents can see it. Oh, do you hear the hallelujah chorus? chorus? Cause I do. That is like, that is really nice. I like that idea. That is oh, really thanks. nice. I think I think that whole like mini one is a really great a really great system. I wish I had yeah. notebooks sometimes. So another way that you can digitize your paper flow is by taking notes for any meetings that you're having, whether it's like a full staff meeting or a collaborative planning with your team, you can actually take the notes right in a Google Doc instead of using a notebook and then worrying about, you know, always having it with you take it on Google Docs because then you can access it on your computer, on your tablet, on your phone, no matter where you are. And it just makes things so much easier. And I recommend utilizing that cloud storage like Google Drive. So if you're making Google Docs or Google Slides or Google Sheets, they're automatically going to be saved in your Google Drive, which is a cloud storage service. That way you can access those files on any device. Because if you just open up a Word document on your computer Unless you have it saved to like your iCloud or whatever other cloud service you use, you can't open that on any device. But if you do it in Google Docs, it's going to be in your Google Drive and then you can open it on multiple devices. You know, Michelle, I don't know about you, but I feel like I had so many external hard drives. Like, I think we were getting to the point where you have like four or five, ex- like huge external hard drives. I'm not talking small ones. I'm like talking one or like three terabyte hard drives. And I remember so many times where I would be, I would get to school and I'm like, oh, I left the hard drive at home and I would just be without my entire world. And so now that I've kind of really gotten into the whole Google Drive piece, I flipping love it. And I have to say, I don't take my notes in a Google Doc, but I do take my notes in like my meeting notes in the notes app, like on my iPad or my laptop or whatever. And I love it. And one of the things that I've been doing recently, because I feel like we've been having so many little to do's that we I have been leaving with from my meetings is that I actually use the little check box or the little what are they called? The little check bubbles that they have in the notes. It's like just a checkbox that you can click and it'll like give you a check mark. And I love that thing. So I go and I reference the next day or right before my next meeting, which is usually how I am. I wait to the last minute, but I will look at it and I can just make sure that I have everything checked off before we start the next meeting. And it just makes me feel so much better. Like I love that feature. And the other thing that I wanted to share that this is something new for me and Michelle probably already knows this because she is like the Google Drive like queen holla like person. But 
I have recently been transitioning and taking out a lot of the files that I have in those hard drives and kind of transitioning the ones that I'm using. So as I find things, uh, for instance, like I had a conference sheet that I was looking for today and I found it. And so I decided to move it over to my Google Drive. Well, if you move it over as a PowerPoint, you have to like convert it all this other jazz. But if before you move something, if you go to the little gear and you hit the gear and then you hit settings, there's a little box that says convert uploaded files to Google Docs editor format. It will automatically convert it for you so you can open it and edit it immediately. I did not know that until like two days ago. It's been wonderful. Yeah, that's a newer feature that Google added. It wasn't always available. It's something new. I haven't personally tried it out, but I did know that it exists and it truly is a game changer. Oh, it's so nice. So now automatically I just put in my conference form and I needed to make a couple of changes for it. And I was easily able to open it up and make those changes. And it was fantastic. Yeah, I'm slowly converting all of my old PowerPoint files to Google Slides because it's just so much more convenient. (laughs) So our final tip is to utilize templates. You all know we love us some templates, okay? Templates are our best friend, and that's because they make our life so much easier. I had a conversation with Billy the other day where I was trying to think about situations when we use templates in real life. And all of a sudden it hit me because I've had to go to the store and buy greeting cards quite frequently lately because I had to buy one for Mother's Day. And then my dad's birthday was on May 31st. So I had to buy one for that. And I had to buy one for Father's Day. And it's like, I have been just all up in the greeting card section. And I realized when you go to the store and buy a greeting card, that's literally a template. Like you still customize it. You add in your own little message and you write something to the person and you sign it. But that greeting card is a template for you. The pictures are already there for you. The text, you know, the main text is already there. It's already folded for you. You already have an envelope like that's all done for you. So you don't have to take a blank piece of paper and start from the very beginning. It helps you not have to recreate the wheel every single time. That's a really great way to think about it. And you know what? Like, would you think that stamps and like stamps stencils, would those be templates as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So one of the templates that I feel like we could all really use in our lives are going to be email templates because let's be honest, we've been getting a whole lot of emails. So there are lots of emails that we send to our families. I know that for me, I have really been finding that just sending a quick email to just say that their child has not to a family saying your child has not been engaging in any coursework. And so having a simple template that allows you to just copy and paste it into that email is so much quicker. And it makes it a lot easier in my life than having to sit there and type out and say, well, what was the wording that I used in that last one? Because I really did like that last wording. I always do that to myself. So instead, you can utilize something like a Google Doc or you can use, I think it's Google Keep. Am I right, Michelle? Yes, you are. But I'm about to blow your mind. Are you Uh ready for this? No. Yes. (laughs) You should be. It's exciting. Okay. For years now, I have been saving my email templates in like a Google Doc or the Notes app on my phone or in Google Keep. However, 
okay, I have come to realize that most email providers, I'm saying most because I obviously don't have experience with all of them, most email providers will actually allow you to save the templates directly in your email service. I know this works for Gmail and I know this works for Outlook and I'm sure it works for a lot of others. Basically, you can go ahead and compose the email and then down at the bottom where you compose the email, there's like a button that has three dots that kind of shows you like more options. You click that and then there's a section that says templates and you can save what is currently in your compose box as a template. Then when you open up a new compose box, you literally just click on your templates, click on that email template and it automatically fills it in. So you don't even have to copy and paste. Ah, it's so exciting. Um, ladies and gentlemen, did you just hear that? That was the sound of Michelle dropping the mic. That is right. Oh, I thought you were going to say it was the sound of your mind being blown. <laughs> no, <laughs> but that too. <laughs> that is really, really cool. Thank you. I do want to share something else though, because you mentioned Google Docs, Bridget, and Google mm-hmm. Docs are actually super useful to be able to send to parents. And this kind of works like a template. I mean, I don't know if I'd classify it as one, but it could be. Here's the difference between just sending someone an email or sending someone an email that links to a Google Doc. When you send that email, like that's done. You can't go back and edit it or change or add to it. It's just done. But if you were to send a parent an email that had a link to a Google Doc, that is a living document that you can always go back to and add and change. So this would work really well, especially during this time. If you are getting a lot of questions, like from parents all the time, you could create a Google Doc that answers all of those FAQs, all of those frequently asked questions. If you send the link to parents and families through an email, or if you have a class website or you know Google Classroom, whatever, you give them the link to to that Google Doc. Then as you continue to get new questions, you just add them to that doc and parents can go and open it up and it'll automatically have the new information that they need. And that's much more efficient than just sending them a single email with the answer to that one question. You can actually send them the Google Doc and they can get the answer to multiple questions all at once. I think that's a fantastic idea, a phenomenal idea. And when you think about it, businesses do that, right? I mean, we have like FAQs on our websites and we know that when we go to businesses, they have FAQs. So this is kind of the same philosophy. It's just in a, in a Google Doc that's more private, which is what you want to kind of happen so that you can protect the privacy of your families, of course. So I love that idea. Some other ideas that you can really use in order to kind of create these templates are going to be assignment directions. Are you typing the same thing over and over again for your assignment directions? Contact information is another huge one. Any sort of postings that you're giving to your students. I know for me, I have comments that I am constantly giving my kids, whether it's that they've turned in the incorrect assignment or they they did not provide enough evidence in certain pieces. If it's something as simple as that, that you can just copy and paste into it, um, utilizing that split screen fe- feature that Michelle Minson mentioned in episode 025, I think it was 25, am I right? 
Yes, you are right. Where she talked about having that. Yeah, about where she talked about having that split screen feature. I have my comment bank on one side and I have my Schoology on the other side and I can just very quickly and easily copy that comment and then paste it right into their assignments. Um, and the thing is, guys, is that you have to remember that if you're doing things more than once, so well, more than twice, really, if you're doing it more than twice, then you need to just create yourself a template so that you can just easily copy and paste it over and you're not having to recreate it every time. And we tend to get into these habits of saying, well, no, I don't need a template yet. I'll just do that the next time. But then the next time you also don't have time and you're like, well, no, I'll just do it the next time. So whenever you find those little pockets of time, go ahead and make those templates. I understand that in the moment, you may not always have that opportunity, but keep a list of things you need to create templates for. And when you can find five or 10 minutes, go ahead and make those templates. As we were saying all of this, Bridget, literally my head, I was like, oh, we need to talk to like Google. And I know, Bridget, you don't use Google Classroom, but I do. And I think a lot of people are using Google Classroom. I was thinking they need to offer an option to save templates within your Google Classroom. I know they have the reuse post feature where you can reuse a previous post. It'll pull up like all the directions and the settings you had. But I feel like they should also allow you to store templates and be able to pull those up. So you could have like a math assignment template and a reading assignment template in science and so on. I just feel like that would be very helpful. And Bridget also mentioned a comment bank. If you are using Google Classroom, you need to be utilizing the comment bank. When you open up an assignment to be able to grade it, there is, you know, the little bar on the side where you enter the grade and you can enter private comments. Well, there's an icon up at the top and I want to say it looks like a little speech bubble, but I'm totally just pulling that from thin air. And when you click on that, it will allow you to save comments in your comment bank. And that way it's all right in Google Classroom. You don't even have to go to your notes app or Google Keep or Google Doc. It's already in Google Classroom and you can literally copy and paste. Or if you're you're leaving comments on a Google Doc or on a Google Slides, like not the private comments, but on the actual document. If you type some of the words from that comment, it'll actually pop up and you just click it and it adds it right in there and it saves you so much time. Okay, guys. So those are our tips for really helping you with organizing your digital life. But before we move on, I'm going to actually go over all five of our tips that we've we've presented in this episode. So tip number one is to set alarms. And we recommend utilizing some of the either the home assistant or the smart speaker that you have in your home. If you have a watch or on your phone, anything that really allows you to give reminders to keep you on schedule and to help increase that productivity. Tip number two is to set times to complete specific tasks, whether it be that you're going to check emails during a specific time or you're going to grade or check your attendance. You don't want to have to be doing these over and over again, you set those specific times to complete those tasks so that you know that you're getting those pieces done, but you're also feeling less overwhelmed from having to check them multiple times in the day. Tip number three is to streamline your apps and websites. This is not the time to be trying out every single app under the sun. You really just want to focus on either two or three, that core set of apps that you can really kind of get under your belt and feel really secure about so that you don't feel overwhelmed. But most importantly, your students and your families don't feel overwhelmed. 
Tip number four is to digitize your paper flow. And this means your checklist, your anchor charts, any sort of notes, stop putting it on paper, start putting it on your iPad or on your computer and get rid of the clutter and help to reduce the mess. We promise you that once you start utilizing either like a Google or an iCloud storage, you're gonna find that it's so much easier to get access to all of your materials from anywhere that you are. And the last tip, which is tip number five, is to utilize templates. If you're doing something more than twice, then you need to create a template. This means for your emails, for your comments, for your FAQs that you might have for families, any sort of assignment directions, stop typing it over and over and over again. Start getting a little bit more time back in your day and have a template. Now you all know that I blew Bridget's mind with my little email template hack where you actually save it in your email service provider. So I would love to know what tip or what little insight that we shared with you blew your mind from this episode. Make sure you head over to our website at www.teachingonthedouble.com. Go ahead and leave a comment on this podcast to let us know what from this episode blew your mind. Now, while you're on our website, go ahead and submit your TSH. What has been really sucking your time from you lately? We would love to hear it and you will have a chance to be featured on our podcast. We would also love for you to leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know how much you're loving our podcast. It brings a huge smile to our face every time we read it and it's going to help this podcast be able to reach more teachers. All right, guys. So until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.